Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. When the Lord is showing us a difficult economic circumstance, and that is the context of this story, we need to understand, we need to be discerning and realize, okay, what does the Lord call me to do? Well, number one, to become like Christ. Number two, to see an eternal perspective over whatever's going on with me and my asset wealth management. And make sure it's all under the Lord. And number three, exercise common sense of what I need to do to make some things right. You, you, need, you, need, you need to know what you need to do. So there's the spiritual become like Christ. There's the eternal of everything moving toward that. But there's practical. And again, the book of Proverbs tells us what we need to do. Someone spoke with recently. He's like, what do I do about this? What do I do about that? And I was like, tell him, hey, you know what? Being a pastor is really easy. I just tell you to look to Jesus. Because your things are Jesus things between you and Jesus. Yours is personal life decisions. And of those things, there's no short of opinion. So I'm just going to tell you right now, you need to draw close to the Lord and press into the Lord. And let his peace and his word rule and reign over you. Ah, being a pastor is easy, sort of, but not at all. Because he's telling someone that the devil wants to destroy you for it, just so you know. But it's not rocket science. Press into the Lord. That first step is so important. That first step is a step of obedience. When, when we're faced with economic hard times or financial hardship, and this is happening, and this is happening, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? It's important to take the first step. Going back to the book, I've, I've written 80 pages since November began. Once I started writing the book, I'm actually writing a book. Now I'm almost done with the first draft. But you got to take action. you got to take action. you got, you got to do. you got to arise. You know, we've watched so many people leave the state in the last couple years. For many of them, it's the best decision possible. So we respect that. And we've supported them in that. We've watched people stay under very difficult times to stay in the state. And they found a way. It doesn't just happen. If you're a millennial or Z generation and you want to live in Southern California and own a home, it's not going to fall out of the sky. you got to fill your water pots and get your hustle on. And we'll see what the Lord does. All of our, my, the generation before me, my, our parents' generation, they had their hustle on, didn't they? And even those houses were only $18,000 in Long Beach and Carlsbad and Encinitas, and now they're like $2 million, whatever, or $1.5 or $1.2 or $800,000, whatever it is. Listen, they worked for Boeing and Hewlett Packard. They worked, you know, for these, they, they worked hard in the shipyards. They worked hard in San Diego. My dad was a hardworking Marine. My dad got up early, went to work, came home, and did his job. My mom did the same thing. Nothing falls out of the sky. You have to fill your water pots, we have to take action. So if there's economic difficulties in a famine coming, take action to be in front of them. Or if it's already hit you in your personal life, take action to grow in the Lord, to see eternity, and to do what's wise and smart to do to resolve those problems and get ahead. I truly believe the Old Testament principle, those things were written for our admonition, to be the head, not the tail. And I truly believe if we walk in obedience to the Lord, it doesn't mean we won't lose everything because Jesus said you could lose everything. 
But if I lose everything, I don't want to be because I'm stupid or foolish. If I lose everything, I want to be because the Lord said, I'm taking it from you and asking you to give it to me now. Spring of 89 is remembered in my life for my wife and I losing our son on January 1st of 1989. But it was spring of 89 where the Lord spoke to my heart clearly. I took your son and now I'm asking you, will you give me your son? That was probably the most important thing the Lord's ever asked me in my entire life. Because in letting go of my son to the Lord, I was free to go forward with the Lord and always trust in the Lord. If you can trust the Lord with your your son in eternity, you can trust the Lord with your future with Jesus until eternity. The Shunammite woman had already given up her dreams of having a son. Her son had already died and been restored. So the famine, it's just, it's just the next, it's just the latest thing. To let go of her house is nothing. She'd already let go of her son. It says in the earlier part of 2 Kings, 1 Kings, that, excuse me, 2 Kings, that they had employees, they had field workers. I mean, when they left, when she took her elderly husband, her older husband, and her son, and they went to the land of Philistines. No, not the Philistines. Yes, the Philistines. Who knows what happened to the employees? But she had to walk away from that house for seven years knowing that squatters could come, and maybe there was a squatter law that allowed them to claim it after two years into the famine. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, blessed be the Lord. We have a song for it, and it's in the book of Job. It's all the Lord's. It's not about the squatters. It's about the king over the universe. It's never about the squatters. The world's got way more takers than givers, so don't be surprised when people take. It's about the heart of the giver and how they respond and how they grow in and through it, be like Christ, eternal vision, and walk in wisdom through the life experiences. The book of James says that faith without works is dead. And in the famine, the first step of our faith is the first step to do whatever it is the Lord's shown us to do. And in her case, it was this, arise and go. See, she had, it was, she had to react. She had to move. She had to give up the house. Some of you sold your house at a good time, some not so good of a time, right? That's how it works, ebb and flow, real estate. She didn't get to sell her house at a good time. She had to leave her house. If you're starving to death, the house is no good. You have to go where there's food. To the land of the Philistines. How humbling as an Israelite. But we also know with famines in the Old Testament that for Israel, they would be chastening for disobedience. And since the kings of the north were not walking with the Lord, it would stand to reason that the evil in the land that was allowed and, and uh, expanded under the, the house of Ahab affected her. I don't want to be affected by evil kings and evil queens doing things in our land, do you? I mean, do you want them to wreck what you've worked hard for? Of course not. But you know what? They could. So just resolve right away not to let it affect your headspace, your heart, your faith, and your kingdom vision. You can never let the people that you have no control over, who have control over you, upset you. And if you can learn that lesson before you're 60, good for you, because you're ahead of me. It took me COVID to realize, these people, they're going to do what they're going to do. What I need to do is make sure I'm looking at the man in the mirror and I'm focused on what I do control. And if I live, I live. If I die, I die. And if I, I'm free, I'm free. If I'm incarcerated, I'm incarcerated. Life became very clear for me during COVID. And I hope it did for you. It certainly brought eternity in front of us for various reasons. 
That first step, man, faith without works is dead. When we come, we don't know, we fall back on what we do know. And if it's economic hardship in our life or in our society, in our state, in our country, or the whole planet, listen, we know God wants to become more like Christ. And we know he wants to have an eternal kingdom and set our treasures in heaven. And we know that common sense is the best sense. So we're going to seek the kingdom. That's, that's, it's, it's the first step. Action. This is, hey, we're going to do the best we can. And by the way, it brings us to the second thing. The next thing, because we had the first step of her faith is arise, and she arose. It's like, hey, arise, okay, go. So she's moving, action, activity. Then the second thing we see is where it says in verse one and three, uh, excuse me, one and seven. Look, look at this phrase. How's this for instruction from the Lord? Go you and your household and stay wherever you can. Stay wherever you can. Like I travel across the country with my wife. I don't like to stay wherever I can. I like to stay at Holiday Inn Express in Las Cruces, or Fort Stockton, or Ozona, or on the east side of San Antonio. Stay wherever you can. Like, what does that mean? That's like Joseph and Mary going to Nazareth. Stay wherever you can. I don't know about you, but I like to know where I'm staying. Jennifer and I, we've got it dialed in when we drive across the country. Hey, it's here. It's, you know, it's here, 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 here. These, that's where the Starbucks are, you know. You know, we know when there's traffic in Houston, when there's not. It's like, listen, I don't like wherever you can. I don't drive across country like wherever you can. But you know, faith sometimes is wherever you can. This is faith. Faith is the substance of things so far, the evidence not yet seen. This is faith. Wherever you can is faith. They don't know. She's arising with her elderly husband and her miracle son, and off they go to the land of Philistines. And the husband's like, oh, honey, what, what, what do the men of God say? Where are we staying? He said, wherever you can. Well, well, like, can't we go to AAA and get a better plan than that? Honey, he said. Honey, he said, wherever you can. <laughs> can I spell it out for you in Hebrew with no vowels? <laughs> wherever you can is wherever you can. How many of you felt like the last three years, wherever you can? However you can. <laughs> hey, whatever you can. However you can. Okay, find a way. That's just another way. Wherever you can is another way of saying, find a way. F-A-W. Find a way. Proverbs, a wise man scales the city wall and takes the city. Just, honey, I'll say it again. As you're in a tent in the middle of nowhere in Philistine land, he said, wherever you can. Well, how are we going to eat? He said, wherever you can. It's the next thing, because wherever you can, when you wake up and it's wherever you can, it's quite simple. It, it should definitely help your prayer life, too. When all you have from the Lord is this day and wherever you can, however you can, that should get you up early. Like no one's sleeping in when the next step is wherever you can with the Lord. That'll sharpen your focus. When you don't know where you're living, how you're going to feed your family, that's no time to be sleeping in. It's wherever you can. And I thought about this. She has wherever you can. And then later on in verse 3, when she returned, it said it came to pass at the end of seven years, the woman returned from the land and she went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. Think about this. There's a day when Elisha comes to her and says, hey, arise, go, stay wherever you can. So you know for sure to arise, but you don't know where you're going, but get going. Seven years of silence, and then here in verse 3, 
On a morning, people think about this. You ever gone to court over a legal dispute? On a morning where you could lose a whole good night's sleep, not to mention months worth of good night's sleep over the seven years she's gone. And now she's going to try and reclaim her property. She's going to go before the king. Remember when Elijah said, you want, you want an appearance before the king? She's like, what's that? What do I need an appearance before the king before? But now she needs an appearance before the king. So think about this. Seven years of living by faith amongst the Philistines. She knows the famine's over. So we have the one day Elisha speaks to her. Then we have seven years of silence, like David in the wilderness, like Mary, the mother of Jesus, after he's 12 years old until he starts his ministry. Nothing but silence for Mary. Almost two decades of silence for Mary. Wow. A lot happens in those silent years, doesn't it? Have you had silent years? I feel like my five years on the East Coast were like the silent years. I was just off the grid. God just got you somewhere, you and your spouse, you and your kids, whatever, and he's just working in you. You're not not on social media. You're just just off the grid. And there's seven years of silence. Just grinding amongst the Philistines during a famine, seven years. We don't even know what happened. But I do know this. When I don't know what's happening, it does help my morning devotion with the Lord. It gets me up quicker, makes me sharper to hear, respond, and obey what the Lord's saying. When you're going to bed and there's things that would unsettle you for the next day, that's when you really need, like David in the Psalms talked about, to meditate upon the Lord and his word at nighttime. Give it to the Lord Sleep in peace, like Peter, when he's going to be executed the next day and he's sleeping in prison. The angel had to wake him up. Like, that's faith, right? She gets up on this day. She gets up on this day and she's going to the king's court to ask for her property back. It's hers in the first place. In Israel, if you had property, it came from your parents, which came from the Lord. That property is the Lord's property that he gave to her descendants over a period of centuries. And she received it. She received it amongst her tribe, amongst her family, and it's hers. It doesn't belong to the squatters. It doesn't belong to the Philistines. It belongs to her. But because it belongs to her, where did she get it? From the Lord. So ultimately, it belongs to the Lord. So it's not really about Joash and the king's court or any of that stuff. But it is intimidating to go before a king, isn't it? She's going before the king. This is a judge. A superior court judge. This is a civil case. He's, this is my property. They're living in it. Well, how long have you been gone? We have squatter laws in Los Angeles County. How long have you been gone? Well, what's it even matter? This is my property. God gave this to me. See, you could go over all these things in your mind the night before if you're the Shunammite woman. Mark Twain said this. I've been through some terrible things in my life, and some of them actually happened. Can you relate to that one? Yeah. Or as Keith Randolph said, who's here tonight in his book, Secrets of Happiness, worry, all it ever changes is you for the worse. Jesus said it like this. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food in the body, more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, so she could have been walking to the king's court looking at the birds of the air in a prequel of the time of Christ, right? Because everything in the Old Testament is a shadow of things to come. So she used to be walking to, go look, walking to go see the king. Is she looking at the birds of the air and being reminded of God's faithfulness to her? 
the God who gave her the miracle son, who raised the miracle son, who sustained her during the famine for seven years. Who knows what she's thinking from the years of silence? But Jesus, in the fullness of things, said to us, the church, the birds, they don't sow nor reap nor gather barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valued than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his statute? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the leaves of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? And I might add, what will we say before the king? Will he give us our house back? But for all these things, the Gentiles and non-believers seek. Your heavenly father knows that what you need, all these things. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own thing. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See, the next thing in our life is today with the Lord. It's simplicity. It's living by faith. The next thing, get up. Get your hustle on. Go to work. Do what you need to do. Find the job. Do this. Figure it out. College age, kids applying for colleges. Get in. Get out. The next thing is the next thing. My life has been very simplified, how I categorize things, and it's just the next thing. You're going to write a book? Hey, you got to open the Google Doc. Start writing. It all began in Cleveland in 1961. And just, that's the next thing. So the next thing, as it comes about with the Lord, it's going to involve faith. And we're going to learn to trust in the Lord. As we go from glory to glory, we're we're growing in faith, and we're seeing God's faithfulness in our life. So who knows what the Shunammite woman was thinking that day when she was going to Joash's court, but I hope she was singing a song. One of David's Psalms of Ascent, maybe, huh? All those beautiful, you know, the Psalms of Ascent that they have in the book of Psalms. Like, there's no mention of her husband, but her son is with her. The miracle son is exhibit A of God's faithfulness. So she does have her son with her as she goes. That probably strengthens your faith, right? When you can look at God's faithfulness in your past beside you, it gives you strength for God's faithfulness today in front of you. The son certainly would have been a flashpoint of faith for her in what she's facing that day. But off they go to the king's court. We should sleep well. If we're grinding in the silent years with famine, Let there be clarity and simplicity. Let our focus be on the things that really matter, not what people can take from us, but the things that really matter. Faith in God, your family, and the fruit of walking with the Lord. To grow. David grew in silence. Mary grew in silence. Joseph, in the Old Testament, grew in his silence in Egypt. So WG, body of Christ, sleep well in the famine. Sleep well. Sleep well. In a world of takers, know that God is over everything, which brings us to the final thing. So we have the first step, the next thing, and then we have the most important thing. Truly, it's so basic, but truly to trust in the Lord. To truly trust in the Lord. See, I've been in ministry again for 35 years, and it's so simple when you trust in the Lord, and it's so arduous and difficult when you do not. Why do you think Jesus took it back to childlike faith? He truly wants us to trust in his goodness over us like our children trust in us, especially when they were younger, how they trusted in us. Oh, I was thinking about Luke today, my youngest. There was a season in Luke's life, Jennifer was working at Calvary Distribution and somehow like 
She'd just gone back to work after not working for 15 years and with the kids and all this. But I, had a, I would have Friday morning with Luke. And we, we'd go to the beach and stuff. And we'd do all these things. And it was a very special time. It was when he had a half day. He had a half day of school. And he'd go in the afternoon. And we'd, we'd have the morning. And but I remember going to Denny's. And we'd get like the, he liked the pancake with the face on it. Remember those at Denny's, the pancake with the face? And I could cry. When Luke was with me, he was never worried about how I was driving, where I was driving, where we're going, what we're doing, how he was going to, would he be able to have his pancake? Did his father love him? Was his home safe? It was all there instinctively. He knew he had a good, good father that loves him very much. And we have a good, good father that loves us very much, more than we'll ever know, more than earthly fathers can love their children, which is quite powerful. And we'll take another level. More than earthly grandparents can love their grandchildren, which is a whole other level. His love for us is so great. And truly, what the famine is to teach us is to trust the Lord always, to trust the Lord with all of our heart, to lean not on our understanding, but to know that God has it. In, the, in verse 5 and 6, when she shows up at court, can you imagine going to court? You don't have a lawyer, self-representation, and you walk in there, and there's Gehazi. Wow. There's the king, like, whoa, the king. And Gehazi is talking about you. See, God goes before us. That's what we need to know. God goes before us. He knows the hairs on your head. He goes before you. He gives favor. He prepares the way. He loves his children, and he goes before you and before me. He puts things in our heart, stirs us up, and he goes before us to set the way so we can be fruitful and successful in what he's entrusting to us and calling us to do. You know my story about going to Virginia. We're going back there to plant a church in 1991. I'm driving across country with Jennifer. Hannah's not even one and stitches the dog. I had a five-day trip. It was seven days. By the time I got to Virginia Beach, I wasn't sure I was even saved, let alone going to be a pastor. That road trip beat us up like there's no tomorrow. And we got to Virginia Beach, and I just needed food. I was low blood sugar. It was early afternoon. And I walked, of all the restaurants in Virginia Beach, Virginia Beach is a large area. It's the largest city in America as far as uh, mass, well, actually behind Jacksonville, but it's huge. And there's a half million people there back at that time. Lots of restaurants. The restaurant I pick is a sandwich shop, and the guy working there is a surfer, and he recognizes Joey Baran. And he's so excited that Joey Baran has come to his restaurant, his sandwich shop. But then he says, my friend, oh, my friend works for the Daily Pilot, the biggest paper in Virginia Beach. He needs to write a story in the religious section, but he's not religious. He could interview you because you're here to start a church. And he did. And it was a huge story, and lots of people came to the church, and the church grew from that article. The Lord goes before us in all things. She shows up like I hope, she, um, I hope she showed up in confidence because he went before her and the kings, the kings are like, There's, there they are. That's the king. Look, he grew. It's been seven years. You're like, there, there they are. This is them. And the king's like, really? Well, okay. Hey, you need a lawyer. This is your lawyer right here. Hey, make sure she gets her property back, boot those people out and make sure they pay everything they earned from her property when she was gone. See, our father's a good, good father. Our God's a blessing, God, and his thoughts for you are not thoughts of evil, but thoughts to give us all a future and a hope. If Christmas has any one theme to it, it's a future and a hope through Jesus Christ coming to the world to save us from our sins, to rise from the grave for our hope and justification, to intercede for us at the right hand of the Father after his ascension as our great high priest, and to come in glory to bring to fruition all the redemption of the entire universe. 
Yes, WG, body of Christ, we are the most blessed of all people on, in the human experience because we're in a covenant relationship when we give our life to Christ. He allows famines. He wants us to grow in the famine, personal or broad. He wants us to be more ready for eternity, personal or broad scope, through a famine. So I just tell us, let us grow in our famine. When Peter left everything, he said to Jesus, Jesus, we've left everything for you. When the rich and Euler walked away from Jesus. And Jesus said, Peter, how much more in this life? I'll just actually read the text from Luke. We'll close with this right here. He says this. Peter said, we've left all and followed you. And so Jesus said, surely I say to you, there's no one who has left house or parents or brother or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.